Isn't it strange that princes and kings and clowns who caper in sawdust rings, common folk like you and me, are builders for eternity? To each has been builded a life to own, a set of tools and a book of rules, and each has builded where their life has flown, a stumbling block or a stepping stone. Every day, when you awaken, two opportunities stand before you. One, to be a stepping stone in the life of someone else that day. Or two, to be a stumbling block. The choice is always ours. How about we choose wisely? Let's be stepping stones. Thank you. Your little poem was much appreciated. Um, my theme for this morning is uh, around walk, live, and keep from the passage that's before us. But uh, the main title and theme that I have this morning, I don't know if it's going to be up on the screen or not, but choices and consequences. Choices and consequences. So it's great to see you all at Monday Morning Chapel, and I'm now going to uh, launch right in with a statement. Based on this passage, I believe, when it comes to your Christian life and your walk, your choices have consequences. Indeed, the decisions you make on where you spend your time, the places you decide to go uh, geographically, digitally, uh, all of those have consequences. The things you engage, in which you engage your mind, these are human decisions for which each one of us is accountable and for which there are consequences. So now, so thank you for the, you have a choice. <laughs> Perfect fit. We didn't talk about this. Now this might sound like a pretty negative start to a message on walking, living, and uh, keeping in step with the Spirit. But uh, I would say, actually, it's as negative or positive uh, as the decisions that you make on how you walk, on how you live, and how you decide to keep in step with the Spirit, or what you decide to keep in step with if it's not the Spirit. So now, uh, based on the theme that has been chosen uh, this year by us, uh, you'll hear quite a few messages on walking by the Spirit. There will be uh, deeper expositions on the book of Romans, chapter 6 through 8, by our eminent Bible faculty during the semester. There will be guest teachers, there will be local pastors, missionaries, they will hold forth from this platform. They will be told the theme of our year, and many of them, in many cases, will touch on that theme. Most of them will have preached many more messages than I have in my life. Uh, you're, you're privileged during this season of your lives uh, to experience the sound Bible teaching that will come forth from this platform as a foundation for your life. So 
What I'm saying is you're probably going to hear better messages than mine during the course of the semester on walking, on living, walking, and keeping in step with the Spirit. You may hear some different perspectives on what that means to walk in the Spirit. So the, the value of your time here is that you will be able to think, you will hear these messages, you will be able to engage with one another on the meaning of those messages, the meaning of the Word of God. You'll be able to spend time with the various teachers and speakers who come here and present those messages. You can, again, it's a choice, you can choose to take those opportunities to uh, enrich your understanding of God's Word and your desire to walk with God and how you apply all of those messages in your life. That's one of the choices that you have before you as you think about how to allocate your time during the course of this semester. So this morning, part of what I want to do is, uh, what I'm going to do here is uh, put the responsibility somewhat squarely on you uh, as part of your responsibility for the quality of your Christian life and your walk. Yeah, we have a personal responsibility uh, for our walk and the consequences of it. Um, God's sovereign ways and the, the mysteries of his purposes were brought before us last night in his dealings with Job. And indeed, every one of us in the course of our life, uh, we will concern, uh, we will confront issues, we will confront challenges, we will confront obstacles, we will deal with the mysteries of not understanding. So by far, not everything is within our hand. Uh, our, our choices only have limited consequences, uh, and some things that come upon us come from God. Uh, the most beautiful consequences in this passage that was read are the fruits of the Spirit. These are consequences again. Now, uh, you can't manufacture fruit, right? You can create conditions for, for fruit to appear, but the Holy Spirit will cause it to blossom. Walk by the Spirit is what this passage says. That's part of the walk, that we are to walk by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will cause that blossoming. Now, you can manufacture uh, meat these days, right? I don't know if it's very good. Artificial meat, veggie burgers, beyond meat. I don't like it. Personally, give me real meat, but, you know, each to their own. That's, that's fine. There are a lot of labels on our foods these days. We were in a conversation with uh, a few of us yesterday about the amount of additives in food these days, and you'll see that various foods contain artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, artificial color, and maybe even imitation fruit will be on there. You can usually tell when the fruit is imitation. And I think that's probably true in our Christian lives too. If we think about those nine fruits of the Spirit uh, that are listed, that we read, that, was re that were read in those passage, I think we can probably sense in ourselves when we're faking it, and uh, eventually we see it in others if it's not real. But real 
Real actual fruit from an orchard comes about through uh, time. Natural elements, perhaps, uh, certainly sunshine and rain and an element of human cultivation too. Farmers depend totally on God for good weather. And so we depend on God to develop uh, that fruit in each of our lives. But we have a clear part uh, that we play in how we cultivate the ground, how we cultivate, how you cultivate your life, your walk, how you stay in step with the things of God during your walk. Now, I want to caution you, of course, that there are no formulas for Christian success. There is no one, two, three, and automatically we spring to a a vibrant, perfect Christian life. Uh, I want to quote a friend of mine, a teacher, elder, by the name of uh, Bob Deffenbaugh from Dallas, Texas. He writes as follows, there are no formulas for the spiritual life. Did you notice He writes that in Galatians 5, there are no formulas or methods for living the spiritual life. Paul only commands us to walk in the spirit. Now, he says for a Methodist in the generic sense, for one who is methods oriented, one who wants steps and outlines and procedures, this is the most frustrating revelation of all. The spiritual life ultimately cannot be cranked out by following formulas because formulas are opposed to walking in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit, he says, is, involves dependence on God. And each one of us, hello, wake up. <laughs> each one with our unique personality will depend on the Lord in slightly different ways. Now, you will study and be taken in further depths through Romans chapter 6 through 8. And there are steps. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans several years after he wrote the book of Galatians. And uh, chapter 6 through 8 provide a, a deeper and fuller exposition of the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Uh, the Apostle Paul reminds us of a number of things. He reminds us about what we know about Christ. No. He reminds us that we should reckon or count it to be true. He goes on to say and speak about the things that we must or must not yield to. No, reckon, yield. Those are the uh, frequently cited formulae of, of that section of Romans. However, He comes, the Apostle Paul comes to one grand conclusion in chapter 8, verse 1, and I cite it, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the grand uh, consolation as we each individually engage in that battle of the flesh and the spirit, that ultimately we will all stumble. We'll stumble through life. However, even as we take responsibility for the things into which we stumble, we can be confident that as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So that is a tremendous encouragement. Now, our passage in Galatians distinguishes between the works 
or deeds of the flesh, and it's an exceedingly ugly list. It's, it includes places that all of us have been at one time or another. But there's this distinction between what is listed as the works or deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. So once again, fruit comes about through conditions we set. Works are things we do that we stumble into, things that we directly can take responsibility for because we have done them. They are works, they are deeds. But fruit comes about, it's kind of a secondary consequence of the choices you make. So I want to share some of the primary elements of decisions and choices we can make that, uh, again, Mr. Bob Deffenbaugh has proposed a number of conditions and uh, they're so captivating, I just want to share them with you. Uh, they're not formula. They're choices and decisions you can make about your disposition towards God, towards his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, toward the Holy Spirit. So some of those points are, number one, a heart for God. Uh, Mr. Deffenbaugh writes that uh, more than anything else, it's apparent that those who have a spiritual walk have a truly have a heart for God like David had. David was a man after God's own heart. And David walked into some pretty bad Galatians chapter 5 works of the flesh. David, in many ways, is not a model if we think about the actual things that he did in his life. But what he modeled was a responsiveness to God. When he sinned and when it was when he was confronted with it and when he really grasped what he had done and the consequences of it, he confessed his sin. So David is an example of one with a heart for God. Another thing that's pointed out is an intimacy with God. Intimacy with God, it's something that, that word is perhaps hard to define, but it's characterized perhaps by being comfortable with God, being honest with God. Uh, the psalmist David, the psalms, David's and other psalms are extremely honest. They express frustration. They express anger, desire for retribution, but they bring about confession. So I encourage you as well to tell God everything. Uh, we don't have to put on a front with God. We do indeed do that with one another from time to time, maybe more than we think, maybe more than we realize. But with God, there's no need to put on that kind of a front. With God, you can be intimate. He is aware and he knows you better than you know yourself, Psalm 139. He's intimately acquainted with your coming and going. So why fake it with God? Pour out to him your emotions. Um, a third point uh, that he makes is a hunger and thirst after righteousness is an important element. Uh, our, he says that our own estimation of our spiritual condition 
is misleading often. And there's that aspiration, that hunger for righteousness, never being satisfied with the place that we're at, never thinking that we've arrived, never thinking that we've come far enough. Uh, we remember the words of the Lord on the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So it is, it is a blessing. He also writes the importance of the, a firm grasp of the gospel. Those who really know God and have a depth of understanding of the Lord Jesus, of his work, uh, Paul, of course, began in Galatians 1 with his own conversion experience. The gospel transformed his own life. And from that point on, Paul's life was all about the gospel, uh, all about understanding God's holiness, man's sinfulness, the centrality of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the, the focus of Paul's teaching, and even in the passage that was read, uh, Paul writes in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. If we uh, have been converted, as I trust many, all here are, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, Colossians instructs us, so walk in him. So the gospel is a basis for uh, everything. So uh, another point he makes is the realization that a successful spiritual life, if I can use that term, uh, he doesn't use it in that way, but the realization that spirit, the spiritual life is humanly impossible. That no matter what I speak about, choices and consequences, that spiritual life, he writes, is like walking on water, the apostle Peter, the disciple at the time. It's, it's, it's physically impossible, it's spiritually impossible without the help and the support of the Lord. In the gospel account, we know that Peter started that walk, but he sank when he took his eyes off the Lord. That's the key, when he took his eyes off the Lord. And when his eyes were on the Lord, he was able to do supernatural, miraculous things that were beyond physical, realistically possible. And that is exactly the case in our spiritual walk, that the things that we aspire to and attain to, the conditions which we might set in our life, uh, those things still make it spiritually impossible to attain to the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But by his strength, we can walk a godly life. We can make those choices that create the conditions, that create the ground for us to walk. Now, uh, two final things, a desire for selfless service. So a, a other-centered focus, a focus on others and not yourself. Those who are spiritual in biblical terms are selfless and concerned about service to other. Those who are truly spiritual, he writes, have genuine humility. They understand the nature of grace, which excludes pride because grace is undeserved. So a, a life that is centered on other, others. As we delve into the topic of your spiritual walk this semester and consider Romans and consider many other passages perhaps related to a godly spiritual life, it's easy to become very self-centered, to be very introspective, 
to become focused on yourself, to beat yourself up as well, to forget that there's no condemnation, to be focused on why didn't I, why did I yield to the wrong thing? Why did I yield to that? How do I, what does reckoning mean? Uh, if I sit and meditate on what I know, won't that make a difference? Why didn't it help me? And you could sit in, and in your room, in your dorm, or in a lounge, you could absorb yourself with that. But perhaps there's a time, which is pointed out here by Mr. Devonpaugh, a time for selfless service, a time to just focus on others, a time to get busy interacting with others. Perhaps that's actually the definition of love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, just getting out of your own bubble and seeing the world of those around you who perhaps are struggling with the same things and uh, to be of mutual encouragement. A, a final thing that uh, I really appreciate as well that he writes, um, he writes quite a few other things too, but the final one I selected is, is what he calls a sense of anticipation and urgency that those who are genuinely desiring a spiritual life believe that the days are short before the Lord is coming, that there's this expectation and urgency that characterizes our lives to be about the Lord's business, to focus on spiritual activity, to be present with other believers, uh, to be engaged in the spiritual community, but to understand that we only have so long and that the days are evil and the time will come, that the Lord will come, the time for the gospel will be over. And so once again, perhaps it encompasses the prior thought of being somewhat uh, other-centric and not self-absorbed, to realize that we are only here for a season, that whether or not the Lord comes or whether our lives are taken, that our lives are limited in, in scope and length. So teach us to number our days, that we might understand that our time is limited. So during the time we have, how will you focus your choices? How will you focus your activities? Will they be based merely on your own personal desires? Uh, will you make decisions? Will you do deeds that cause you to stumble into the bad list in Galatians chapter 5? Or will you cultivate those areas that allow the, the water of the word of God, that allow the sunshine of his grace uh, to shine down on you so that those fruits come forth? Uh, those are not things, uh, now there are commands in scripture we must love. Uh, we're asked to be patient till the coming of the Lord. We could go through the list and probably find a command on nearly every one of those fruits. So it's not as if God isn't telling us that he desires those things to be there in our lives and that he orders us even uh, to, for those things to be. But nevertheless, uh, they are fruits that will grow naturally as we cultivate some of those areas. So now I want to end by reading a passage from Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 24, and that will be our conclusion. And you can follow it on your device, Bible, book, whatever you're carrying, or just listen along. Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 24, and think about in the context, again, of choices and consequences. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. 
due to the hardness of their heart. They've become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put and to put on the new self, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So I would ask you, what are you putting on? Are you putting on an air of fakery? Or are you putting on Christ? And for you personally, for each one, it might be somewhat different because there is no precise formula. But what will you do today? What will you do this week to put on Christ? What actions will you take uh, to put Christ on in the form that is written about in Ephesians and Galatians? So may God add his blessing to the reading and the study of his word throughout this semester.